Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. I didn't plan it this way, but I have another amazing Forged in the Dark game to share with you this week, so I hope you're ready. This is the first episode we've recorded since the beginning of March, and honestly, talking to a friend was a welcome change from the nightmare hellscape that is pandemic life. I highly recommend it if you haven't in a while. Jason Pitt is back to talk about SIG, the City of Blades, which takes a new and exciting look at the fantastic city of SIG. Some heroes may remember it, it's a place we've been before, and Jason explains how bringing the Blades in the Dark system changes and elevates the experience into something entirely new. We had a really good time, so I hope you will too. Let's get to the show. Hey there, heroes. Welcome back to Modifier, a podcast I have not recorded since before the pandemic, so this is going to be exciting for everybody, myself included. Uh, joining me this week is friend of the show, friend of me personally, Jason Pitt is here to talk more about SIG, which, okay, wait, first of all, hello, Jason. I know how to run my show. Hello. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. So am I. We have not talked about, we have not talked about SIG, I looked it up, since 2016, almost four years ago. I don't know what time is anymore. How are you feeling? I... So it's 2020. Yeah. So I think we have another decade worth of twenty uh, worth of uh, 2020 remaining, according to my yes. count. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had a chance to really chat since the before times. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a lot has happened since then. Oh, my a lot has happened, and a lot kind of keeps happening every moment of every day. And uh, yes, um, at the time of recording, a giant thing dropped in the news twelve hours earlier. And uh-huh. when anyone listens to this in the future, they won't be able to figure out what the heck it was. Which, yeah, oh. um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's uh, time is wibbly wobbly. It is. It is. And let's let's see if we can reach back through it a little bit to the last millennia when uh, SIG Manual of the Primes came out, because that's the last uh, SIG that we that we talked about. Yep. I, I don't get to do this very often, but we, we've got this nice span of years between these conversations. So I'm curious, like looking back on it, how do you feel? about the game, about the Kickstarter. What's going on? So overall, I'm feeling pretty good. It was a challenging project to work on. It is the shiniest book I've ever produced and the shiniest Mm. book I will ever produce. Um, I'm not saying this metaphorically. It is literally metallic uh, for the cover. So yeah, no, it is literally the shiniest book um, I'll ever produce. And we had some exciting printer challenges. Uh, the printer is now out of business. So that's exciting. And a lot of it was, um, this was my first large uh, traditional commercial channel book. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting that the production values alone would have pushed it past a certain threshold, 
without quite recognizing that when you get down to it, it's a little bit of a niche product setting. Like for everyone exactly my age, it's obvious and people will Uh run for it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, For everyone exactly my age. Right. Is is that not everyone? Wait, there's Uh, other people? Apparently not. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So not everyone, say, ever played Second Ed D&D and the old Planescape setting. (laughs) It's funny how that works. Hmm. You know, considering that was released in uh, the mid-90s. I mean, that's like dinosaur, so. Yep, exactly. So I was hoping that the, look, it's a shiny thing that is related to the thing you already love. Mm-hmm. And yeah. eh, it's, marketing is always hard, and I'm yeah. still getting used to it. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely, I think, one of the hardest things in in indie game design is is marketing and i i jeff stormer's ears just perked up somewhere i know it um that's okay so yeah he's a stretch goal (laughs) (laughs) oh good fantastic (laughs) maybe we'll give him more time later uh (laughs) so let's see refresh us if you will then on uh on what sig what is sig so long story short sig is a Homage to planar fantasy games. Specifically, it's exploring how a cosmopolitan setting in the middle of a multiverse full of newcomers, immigrants, refugees, and feuding communities can... All the drama that emerges from that. It's about religious conflict between groups. Uh, It's about city politics and a lot of other issues along those lines. It's a game where you can change the multiverse by confronting and challenging your beliefs. Awesome. The old Planescape setting described itself as a game of philosophers with clubs. And I leaned into the philosopher side of the house very hard in Sig Manual of Primes, Mm -hmm. which of course meant that I needed to try out the club's side of the equation a bit more uh-huh. for the follow-up game, which is SIG City of Blades. Yeah. This was actually a stretch goal of, oh, if we it. hit the stretch goal, I will spend some time working on this. And we got close to hitting it, and I just said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on it on and off. Right. But that was a big process. Right. So, yeah, four years later. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. Is it only four years? And I, I feel like part of maybe a big part of what makes it so huge is that City of Blades is using a different system. So like Manual of the Prime, we, we, Primes, we talked quite a bit about how it was based on Spark and, and the, the, way that, the ways that it worked. If any heroes want to listen to that ancient bygone episode, we'll, we'll link it. But I know we I knew we got pretty deep into it. But this is a this is a departure from that system. This is a whole new system. Have you worked with Blades in the Dark before like this? So I've run Blades in the Dark, but this is my first mm-hmm. deep hacking attempt. And it's a heck of a system. <laughs> um, so I was trying to do as minimal as possible because I mm-hmm. had realized that, oh, a lot of the mechanics in core blades do exactly what I'm looking for. That's why I came up with the setting. Okay. 
with, with the with this iteration because of how well the system lined up with the setting in question. Right. So I was trying to do as minimal as possible. So so what is it that you are looking for? Yeah. So specifically the secret sauce, the thing that I was really desperate to dig into was the faction mechanics. Mm-hmm. The way that the factions grow and shrink, how they seize territory and, you know, you get reputation and coin and all of that good stuff so that your uh, the various political factions can grow over time and sort of you have this long, big, larger scale drama going on. That was originally actually introduced in John Harper's Bootleggers for anyone who was following his Patreon way back when. And I just loved it. It was that was the thing that I needed because the Manual of Primes didn't really have any mechanization of that. Right. So that was the fascinating part. And then there was just a lot of other system around it that was uh, quite interesting mm-hmm. uh, and told different kinds of stories. A lot more action oriented, heist oriented, etc. Mm-hmm. So one of one of the things that definitely stands out about SIG is, of course, the, the changing nature of the city itself. And that's part of what le- what lets players tell all different kinds of stories is they're, they're going to end up with all different kinds of cities. Does SIG still do that in City of Blades, or is it a more specific version of SIG? No, SIG still does that. So as folks who listened to the ancient interview might remember, SIG itself is bound to three different planes of existence at any given point in time. So the plane of flames means that you'll get buildings made of solid smoke and Mm. literal fireflies living on the rooftops, etc. So you'll always get a combination of an elemental plane, an ideological plane, and a conceptual plane at any point in time. Now, those planes and the uh, the ones that are tethered are feeding magical energy into the city, which strengthens some groups, brings in a new immigrants, etc., from those planes into the city, and effectively changes the power dynamic. But it also goes the other way. So in City of Blades, you're working on the faction politics, the faction war, right. and your crew represents one of the minor factions of the city. So specifically the Herald's Guild, the Performer's Guild, or the Sage Collegium. Okay. And what you're trying to do is secure territory and gain in infamy and coin so that you can grow, which means that you're taking territory, coin, and attention from other factions. Mm-hmm. This can change where the factions are ranked. And when any any faction that reaches the highest tier mm-hmm. changes the tether to the city to align with it. Oh, wow. So if the Sage Collegium manages to claw their way to the top, mm-hmm. then the Plane of Lore will get the tether to the city. That's cool. Okay. I, I see how this... Yeah, this is very good. Which, of course, also means that they're stronger. Because the plane reinforces them. Yeah. Oh, that's rude. All right. <laughs> I like this. So yeah, and that that kind of uh, mechanic is exactly what Blades is built to do. So 
Yep. That's exciting. Was there anything that Blades was doing that you you didn't need or didn't want to include or had to change? Like, because because so far this kind of seems like Blades was just built for this. <laughs> Blades is kind of just built for this, but once I dug into the system, mm-hmm. I, I I'm a hacker. Mm-hmm. I mean. So I had to make some changes. Got to play with stuff. Um, one of which is that uh, SIG itself is built on the principle that everyone comes from a variety of different places. Mm-hmm. So in the base SIG, you would have your family, your faith, and your faction. Right. And each of those would contribute part of your character. So what inst- what you do here is you have your culture, your lineage, and your devotion. So you can have two giants, but one is a truth bearer and one is a fire heart. Mm. They're coming from different cultures. Or they can worship different powers. So that's sort of how you build your characters in a compartmental way. So you pick one of ten different cultures one of 10 different lineages and one of 10 different devotions and each your culture is linked to your insight your lineage is linked to your prowess and your devotion is linked to your resolve okay so they affect effectively your choices preset what your action ratings are Mm -hmm. Uh, so a giant might have two points in wreck because that that's what giants get (laughs) makes sense they Uh, Each of these components also has uh, two different potential advances that you can pick up and a drive, a specific uh, kind of thing that you want to do to reduce your stress. This can be proclaim a divine mandate or sacrifice the weak uh, to the eater of worlds. (laughs) Like you do. Like you do. So those are the things that you're using uh, to replace your vices. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> so yeah, you you build your characters out of these sort of different components. Mm-hmm. And this replaces your crew sheet. Uh, sorry, your uh, playbook. Mm-hmm. You don't actually have a playbook. You right. just have these three-part character sheets functionally. Oh, cool. Okay. We'll mix and match. I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I ripped out vices and turned them into these slightly more pro-social, but still problematic, uh, drives. Mm-hmm. I wound up, uh, I actually eliminated position and effect. Well, sorry, position. There's still effect, but I moved some of the position stuff into effect. Mm. So you don't have to worry about risky, controlled, or desperate okay. on any given action. Interesting. What do you what do you find that that does when you don't have to worry about that? So in core blades, you have to be keeping your mind on a dozen different levers at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. And the cognitive load as a GM is excessive in my experience. Fair. Okay. So if you are trying to do something, let's say that you are currently on a heist in Blades in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Pick a playbook. What do you want to be? Oh, see, now you're asking me to remember what they're called. What's the witch one? Oh, uh, that's the Whisper. Yes, that one. <laughs> so you want to go and break into a building. Mm-hmm. What would you do? I would do, let's see, it has been a hot minute. Something spooky. 
They're like, uh... So a tune? Yes. So you would choose a tune. Then I would choose what, if you're in a controlled, risky, or desperate position. Mm -hmm. Then I would determine if you are being, if you have great effect or weak effect. Right. And then you roll to see how it works. Right. This means that I'm, that collectively, we've got three different variables to figure out on any given roll. Oh, okay. And depending on what happens on the roll, as a GM, I also need to come up with the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And is this going to be a fictional outcome or is this going to be effect? What size of clock is this going to be? Because you have to now make a clock. Right. All of that, it gets... Yeah. If you have experience with it, it's easy. I've never run this game for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you have experience with this game, it's easy, but yeah, it's hard to get used to it. So that's why I made some of those adaptations. So now you're putting all of your effort on what it, you would pick your mm-hmm. your action, and I would determine how, how effective that action is. That's, that's it. That's a lot more straightforward. I'm into this. <laughs> and I've also streamlined that whole coming up with what happens oh. next step because consequences were left a little open Mm -hmm. and freeform in core blades yeah so i took a page uh from the spire Ooh, okay and the resistance toolkit where they have fallout and they have minor moderate and major fallout conditions Mm -hmm. so i i adapted that in so now you have a list of Minor consequences, moderate mm-hmm. consequences, and major consequences that you could apply in any given situation. Oh, amazing. Oh, the lives you've saved. Now, here's the fun bit. Uh-huh. Guess how you determine which level of consequence you're getting. Um, is it random? Nope. It's based on your stress level. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So, if you have... Zero, one, or two stress, mm-hmm. then the GM can only give you minor consequences. Okay. Those are things like um, it has an extra cost, uh, you're out of position, yeah. uh, stuff like that. You're, you know, you got slightly hurt uh, because you're just relaxed. It's fine. Yeah. If you have three to five, then you're tense and you're yeah. also open to moderate. You're gonna fuck up. Conditions. Then six to eight. Eight, you're open to major conditions. Good. And if you mark number nine, you don't get trauma. (laughs) You get burnout. Yeah. So dang. (laughs) You check one of the four burnout conditions of apathy, fatigue, isolation, or vice. Wait, we're still talking about a game, right? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) This may be social commentary. Yeah. I'm just saying. So um, you get fewer downtime actions. Uh, you lose one of your drives that would normally help you reduce your stress. You lose one of your relationships. Ow. Or you replace one of your drives with one of the classic vices from Blades. Ooh, okay. Those are good. And when you fill up all four of those, you're done with this. Yeah. And you leave for your retirement on some prime world, mm. the quality of which depends on how much money you have stashed away. Good luck, heroes. 
which is the reason why there's all of these demons that keep invading random mortal worlds. Mm -hmm. They're really just jaded freebooters from SIG (laughs) who are just tired. They've got drinking problems. They have no relationships and they're, they just don't care. These villainous backstory creator. Um, (laughs) They're just so tired. (laughs) So it, it, the quality of the world depends on if you've got a little bit of stash or a huge amount of stash. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a you run off to a prime world and set up a tavern if you're lucky. Oh, that'd be fun. So yeah, no, yeah. It, it's literally it is actually um, a minor callback to Angel. Oh, because our favorite demon bartender. Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> I know enough cultural references that I I mostly get that. <laughs> I didn't watch that. Sorry, that oh god, that's old, isn't it? That's really old. Oh, yeah, no. no, it's it's oh no, it's my demographic. I just I never watched it. I know, but I just realized how old it is. Yeah, oh no, I know. <laughs> our our bones have become dust. Is is how old? Yep. Um, I'm getting slightly ahead of us and like poking through the Kickstarter at the same time, which we will talk about. But I'm looking at this map. Um, is this? This map seems huge to me. Am I am I losing my mind? Because like Blades in the Dark uh, is is it bigger? Is it bigger than Blades in the Dark? Uh, it's a little bit bigger than Blades in the Dark, but some of that's the non-Euclidean geometry, um, <laughs> and the fact that the city literally loops into itself. Yeah, I love this. This is for listeners at home. The city's a Mobius strip. Uh huh. <laughs> so. The top left and the bottom right are connected to each other. Excellent. So, yeah. So, the way that it works is in Blades in the Dark, Mm -hmm. on the crew sheets, there's these uh, examples of claims that each crew can get. Mm -hmm. And they're things like Den of Vice, Boathouse, etc. But they aren't anchored anywhere in the physical setting. Oh. And I didn't like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So what I instead did is I broke down the city into 48 unique claims. Yeah. And every claim is owned by someone. Oh, all right. So if you want to get access to a library, Mm -hmm. well, you're going to have to, you know, take over the czar's library because that's that's where the library is. If you don't want to fight with the paper guard, maybe you want to go to the College of the Stars instead. But that's how you get access to these different kinds of claims that give you different benefits by stealing territory from other people. Yeah. And territory is a prerequisite mm-hmm. for the tier of your faction. Right. So if you're if you take territory from a faction, they can drop in tier mm-hmm. and it can enable you to grow in tier if the conditions are right. Very cool. And that's that's ultimately what you want. Power, status. So everything's anchored to the city and like it, it's it's very much a rival mobs fighting for turf. Mm-hmm. On, on a tangent, um the there's a fantastic series that starts with City of Jade from Fonda Lee. Uh, oh. which is such an amazing blades reference. It's it's delightful. And that that sort of fed into this to some extent. It's the everyone wants different sections of the city, so yeah, find a way to do it. <laughs> also, I'm quite proud of the the unified SIG postal service. Oh, what? I didn't get to that. Top left. Oh 
my god. Yes. I love them. Protect them. <laughs> uh, you can actually, uh, that's actually owned by the Herald's Guild, which are one of the PC groups. Oh, good. So, yeah. All right. These are good. I can't, I can't wait for heroes to, to take a look at this and, uh, I'm proud. Mm-hmm, you should um, be. Also, things like the Polvin Scrapyards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I like uh, Artisan's Alley. Yep. Very nice. Very good. All right, heroes, let me know your favorite neighborhood. This was fun. I, I just have to admit, this was fun. Yeah. Nerd kennels. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, we mentioned a couple times, like, we skirted around. Did you want to talk about uh, crew sheets at all? Or, like, how that yep. has changed? Yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah. So, um, crew sheets, uh, effectively, the claims don't exist on the crew sheets. Mm-hmm. And instead, uh, each crew has their own set of advances that, that you can collect and um, contacts mm-hmm. that they have, territory that they have, and they all have a set of gear that everyone in the faction can use. So instead of each character having their own gear sheet, mm-hmm. this is your, the standard equipment. Now, standard equipment can include uh, ornate and luminous plate armor, a shield of silver and ice, a bow strung with starlight, a fine silver sword, a con- concealing and nondescript cloak, ancient treaties and contracts, musical instruments, sylvan binding shackles, horn of alarm, and ch- chimes of tranquility. All right. So, like, this isn't... This is notable stuff. Yeah. But that's how you wind up equipping your folks when you're going on jobs. There's a few advances that let you get other things, but mm-hmm. that's sort of how you express the character of each of the factions. That's so cool. I, I like that that's, yeah, that that's kind of like, you start there, you know? You, you start cool and interesting. Not to mention, I just love being able to drag in NPCs that everyone's connected to. Yes. My pers- my personal favorite is uh, Marak the Tailor. You can trust a simple tailor. Mm, all right, I get that reference. <laughs> Marak has a kind heart, a brilliant mind, and an obsidian dagger in the hem of his cloak. Oh my god, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this. This was a gift that I that I needed today. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, so the the crews are the Daughters of the Raven, representing the Herald's Guild, mm-hmm. uh, an all-female order of smugglers and spies. Cool. Uh, the Order of the Ashen Keys, a secretive group of mercenary warcasters who saved the Invisible College, and Glimmer Knights, ancient Polari sh- chivalric order formed when the stars were still young and the sun hid its face. Neutral arbiters, clever diplomats, and defenders of the peace. Nice. Yeah, I like that they're all very distinct but very interesting. Like when I when I was reading through them, you know, there's there's usually one that'll jump out. It's like this is this is it. This is the one. But every time I got to the next one, I'm like, no, this is cool. <laughs> so, good job. I I am into this. <laughs> and even better, if you go down to the goals, mm-hmm. um, we have a bunch of stretch goals at ten thousand Canadian. We fund and are we're actually paying our people. Like including me, to some extent. I like that. Let's do that. Because I'm terrible at paying myself, but I realize that that's kind of unfair because marginalized creators can't take the option of not paying themselves for their work. Yeah. So anything that means that, oh, my business can succeed because I have 
I don't need the money. Yeah. It, it's unbalancing the playing field. So I had to make the budget accordingly. Awesome. But at uh, 15000 I get a, another artist. Yay. And I believe you've seen the thing that uh, is illustrated beneath uh, that artist. I have. Alex Louise Hill. I love it. <laughs> I, yes. Let's just say the moment you see anyone sees this Kickstarter page, they'll notice it. Mm-hmm. And they'll love it. Uh, as the kids say, mood. Mood. Yeah. <laughs> and then I try to get an offset print run. Then I'm able to commission a set of missions from Quinn Murphy. Oh, hell yeah. Then I'll make another two additional playbook crews for the Recyclers Cooperative and the Portal Smiths. Oh, cool. And then last but certainly not least, I'll commission a four-part episode of uh, actual play from Jeff Stormer of the Party One podcast. Oh. And a host of interesting folks. Oh, hey, who? hang on. All right. So I love Jeff. Jeff plays with two people. What's what's happening? Yes, he's also administering and organizing sessions ah, for other people. I see. So he's uh, amassed a crew of awesome people. Okay. Ooh. All right. So if we want to see Jeff get outside his comfort zone and interact with more than one person at a time, then we need to make this happen. Exactly. All right. Let's let's fund a game and break Jeff. Uh, good. <laughs> That's the hope. <laughs> And beyond that, it's a fairly simple campaign because it's 2020. Yeah, right? <laughs> Nothing fancy, please. Uh, I even had to put a line in the risks and challenges section. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to run a Kickstarter campaign in 2020 slash 5781, which is foolish at best. <laughs> We have no idea how the global pandemic, civil unrest, political conflicts, wildfires, hurricanes, or other unexpected disasters might occur. We reserve the right to cancel this project and refund all backers if a planar rift, gate, or portal appears. That's... I can't wait for this to become a boilerplate. Like, (laughs) thank thank you for setting this precedent of... uh, Oh my god. But it's... uh, it's funny and it's true. So, in case of Hellgate, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it can and does happen, folks. I mean, it's 2020. I don't. I, I hope we'll hit 2021. That'd be great. It'll be something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll, res- I'll reserve judgment for right now. <laughs> uh, yes, City of Blades is on Kickstarter right now. Do you know? Do you know the run dates when this is running from? It should pretty much be live for the entirety of October 2020. However many years that Which is. gives you about three years to back it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're cool. You got time. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's Kickstarter. I want to ask a couple things about, um, have you been able to do any playtesting in, in this, the hell year, where we don't see? A bit, but not a ton, because it's the hell year. Yeah. <laughs> What's that been like? Uh, it it's been like, I'm still adapting to video calls yeah, and playing on, online because it's not my natural mode. Mm-hmm. I, I much prefer actually having people in person. Um, yeah. but like I've signed up to actually join someone else's D and D campaign. The editor on this project, uh, Christopher Rothwell, 
uh, is running a D&D campaign. It's like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. I'll, I'll, I'll try actually playing a game. Yeah. Because I'm normally so busy trying to design and run things that it's... Mm-hmm. Play I don't game have time that. to actually play. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Have Have you played or run this uh, the City of Blades for anyone that you know or have played um, Manual of the Primes with? Uh, not yet. Oh, okay. But I look I look forward to doing so. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how how they how the different approaches you know set them up to play the like in the same world, but how how that'll set them up to play differently. Mm. Yeah, that will be fascinating. But, uh, oh, one of the cute little things. Um, I changed one of the actions around. So, you, so people actually have an action called Reveal. Okay. Where you effectively spout lore about the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And just establish things as true. Yes! I love this. <laughs> it's built for improv. <laughs> it's built for improv. It's like, oh, I'm just going to talk about the mating ritual of the lizard centaurs. Uh-huh. Because oh, I was there. Yeah. So speaking of, of playtesting and doing it online now. Yep. What, what's coming up next month slash decade in November? So uh, Metatopia Online will be running. And uh, Metatopia, as I hope heroes uh, are aware of, is an amazing game design professional conference slash convention in Morristown, New Jersey, every year in November. Yeah. In 2020, it's going online for obvious reasons. <laughs> so there's going to be a set of effectively panel rooms uh, on Twitch, different Twitch channels that are going to be uh, live streaming Ooh. a ton of different panels and seminars. Uh, cool. There's going to be a space for people to coordinate and setting up their own playtesting if they want. There's going to be some social spaces and some of the panels that we're getting are really interesting because this opens up the opportunity to do international participation. Yeah. So I just submitted a panel uh, this morning mm-hmm. about game design in France. Oh. And a trio of uh, French game designers are going to be talking about it all in French and then we'll translate uh, and do subtitles in English. Oh, my And then God. broadcast that. So you can hear about the design culture in France, the games that are inspiring folks, what are the new things that us in the English world are unaware of, etc. That's amazing. I know. I, um, I I'm, I'm so excited for this. All right. There's also, like, there's a bunch of Filipino and Filipina game designers that are participating this year. Very cool. There's going to be panels and seminars and events uh, around the clock so that, you know, at 3 a.m. in North America, you've (laughs) got some Europeans in the morning and in the afternoon, uh, their afternoon, uh, some folks in Asia, Oceania, and we will get Australians jumping in when the North Americans are sleeping. so good. Ah. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Metatopia always like consistently sets the bar so high for just like content and community. And I was very bummed about 
the possibility of it not happening this year. But now I'm afraid that it's going to be too good online that if we ever go back, I'm going to be sad. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it won't be able to have as much of the quality playtesting yeah. time. And I mean, there's, there's always challenges with social, but it's an opportunity for folks to... Yeah. Who could never attend the convention to actually do so. Right. Yeah. And like we can expand our horizons quite a bit it sounds like you know getting getting this exposure to designers in totally different places so yep. uh hopefully we'll have some brazilian game designers in there yeah. uh it'd be great to have some spanish and uh italian designers like there's just a lot of awesome going on that's very cool i um we will definitely put a link in the show notes and yell about it on twitter I'm pretty sure I still know how to log into Twitter. <laughs> so, and uh, m- most importantly of all, it's free. Holy shit! Seriously? Yep. Ha, so, okay. <laughs> if you have wanted to design a game, show up to Metatopia Online. Listen to some panels and seminars, and meet folks. And we want to see you join us. Yeah. Please come on in. Well, I'm definitely going. <laughs> It's been on, I've I've been, had it on my list as like, look into it, see what's going on. And I just haven't gotten there yet. So thank you for telling me all of this extremely valuable and exciting information. Uh, It is yet another gift I have been given on this great, wonderful day. So I'm going to go. I don't know what else I was doing that weekend, but it's this now. So. (laughs) And you can always just show up for an hour at the convention, then go about your day and then, oh, it's a. It's 10. I wonder what's going on. Uh, so I'm going to actually be running something called the Game Design Lounge. Okay. So it's a thing that I've been doing on and off over the past four months or so mm-hmm. uh, of hour-long video conferences where people can just come talk about uh, various questions that they have. And it's effectively just an open conversation uh, channel. One of them is set for North American and European folks. One okay. set for European and Asian slash Oceanian okay. folks, and one is set for Asia, Oceania, and North America. Ooh, so it's meant cool. for those kinds of international discussions. So you can l- meet some brilliant Australian game designers or chat with a Swedish LARPwright, etc. Oh, so boy. we're going to be running this at Metatopia Online. Uh, in an ongoing fashion. So every hour there will be a new video call that starts up that people can jump in on. That's incredible. Thank you. So if nothing else, it's a great place to just go there, social, and talk about games. Absolutely. Heroes, just just drop in for something, you know? Just give it a try, because it's there. So I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's it's going to be great. I'm glad we I'm glad we talked about that. Is there anything else that we should know about City of Blades? Other than it's on Kickstarter, please go look at it. The art is fantastic. Yep, and uh, folks can find it at www.kickstarter.games. Ooh. Yes. Sick. I own the URL. What can I say? (laughs) How? (laughs) I have had to sacrifice many people to get this blessed domain. You have powers that I did not realize. I'm <laughs> coming away from this a little unnerved, but uh <laughs> What good. can I say? I had one too many burnouts. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, well, it is 2020. Uh, it is 2020. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For it's been an that. absolute pleasure as usual. Yeah, it really has. Um, and about- it's great chatting with heroes again. Yeah, it really is. It's been a while. So thank you. Thank you for being our, our welcome back. Thank you for doing this game, for telling us about Metatopia. Any, anything else we want to touch on or, or, or where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Genesis of Legend. My website, uh, genesisoflegend.com or genesisoflegend.ca. And otherwise, I, I'm around in a few other social places, but that, those are the big ones. Nice. And uh, yeah, I hope that people are interested in checking out my little campaign and uh, feasting your eyes on some of the shiny, shiny stuff that we have to offer this time. Oh, um, literally shiny or figuratively shiny this time. <laughs> um, so uh, on the shiny front, uh-huh. uh, if any of you fine folks haven't had a chance to actually get uh, SIG Manual of the Primes, Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually have a level that is a bundle that gets you both PDF and physical copies of both games. Worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and especially considering how terrible the Canadian dollar is right now, uh, you can get it for a steal. <laughs> At least today. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would encourage folks to check it out because they are going to be very pretty full color hardcover books. Awesome. Till then, I just want to thank everyone for joining. Yeah. Thank you. This is great. Thank you. Huge thanks again to Jason for being on the show again and for sharing his game with us. Be sure to check it out on Kickstarter. Heroes, I don't have a scheduled date yet for the next episode of Modifier because 2020 continues to 2020. So let me leave you with a few things. You are wonderful. I know I don't know all of you, but the sampling I've met tells me 100% of you are kind, thoughtful people, and you're doing your best. I'm proud of you. Things are unbelievably hard, but every day you put behind you is an accomplishment. Be kind to yourself and to others. Things we took for granted a year ago are more difficult, more dangerous, and more complex than ever. Be empathetic and compassionate and err on the side of kindness. We all need it. Except for Nazis and fascists. For those of you legally able to vote in the U.S. election, please do it. Check your state deadlines to be sure, but you may still be able to request an absentee ballot or vote early if you'd prefer not to vote in person on November 3rd. But please vote. Vote the fascists out of every position that you can and punch every Nazi in the face. Get rid of Trump and then keep on fighting for justice. There's work to be done no matter what, and we need to do it. I love you. You got this. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. The most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on OneShot, James D'Amato brings you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere, and it's a great way to discover new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. 
Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>